<clears throat> Hi, this is Donna Reesh, and welcome to Think, Feel, Eat, episode number 26. This is the second part of a two-part series on self-sabotage. So you want to be sure to catch episode 25, which is up at DonnaReach.com. It's up at YouTube. It's up at iTunes. It's all ready for you with the outline and everything that you'll need for that. So um, because the first one was more kind of like theories, like thinking, feeling, um, the meaning of self-sabotage and kind of how that happens. And then the um, today is going to be more practical tips. So I'm going to do a little bit of review, but not a whole bunch because um, that was that was lengthy there already <laughs> when part one. So let me check my timer here because I've been having a little problem of going over time. I know that's shocking, but anyway, so welcome. I am so excited to bring you this information and what I have learned about self-sabotage. So first of all, in reviewing um, last week, uh, the first thing that we determined last week is that we need a new word. We need a new phrasing for the phrase self-sabotage, that that is um, a kind of a euphemism, if you will, that makes us like feel like it's not as bad as it is or kind of diminish it. And it's almost like something that happens to us. All right. And whenever we look at something as though it is happening to us, then we are always out of the driver's seat, right? We're no longer in control of ourselves because this thing outside of us is controlling us instead. So um, one of the things that we need uh, to consider is to not use the term self-sabotage, but to call it exactly what it is. Now, I'm not saying, as you're going to see as we go through here, and if you've been following the perfect storm of weight loss, you know all the elements that we bring together for the perfect storm, you know, that we talk about hormones, we talk about brain chemicals and neurotransmitters, we talk about habits, we talk about um, sleep, we talk about all of these components that come together to create the perfect storm of weight loss. And so I'm not saying that one of those things can't cause us to do things that are similar to self-sabotaging. I'm just saying that if we don't call it self-sabotage, but we call it giving in, giving up, um, choosing to go off, uh, making a decision to not follow our protocol, going off of our protocol, as opposed to falling off or self-sabotage or getting off track or um, uh, all just so many different euphemisms that we can use to get rid of the euphemisms and call it what it is and then pinpoint why we did it, right? It's not to say that there aren't outside influences because there are. Otherwise, weight loss would not would just be something that we just overcame easily, right? And weight management and, and overweightness. So it's not like there aren't things that come into play, but at the same time, we can't um, use terminology that puts it all onto something else because then we'll never seek out the problem. We'll never seek out the solutions, all right? So that was the first lesson from last week. All right, the next uh, one, just general kind of three ways that we discussed last week of how to end self-sabotage. One is to have a firm protocol in place. I'm getting ready to go through, I don't know, seven practical tips. Um, and a firm protocol kind of is a practical tip, right? Like this is what I eat, this is how much I eat, this is how often I eat. You know, that's kind of a, a, um, a firm um, practical tip. But at the same time, it's also very much related to the think, feel, eat cycle, 
because without the firm protocol in place, how do we know if we're going off and on? Then our mind starts playing tricks with us and our brain starts going crazy with, um, well, I, I kind of left some room for something special anyway. I just didn't know what it was going to be. And then that something special grows into too much, right? Or um, I, I'm not really sure whether this is going to be on my protocol. I think it's going to be if it's whole grain, but it's not going to be if it's not whole grain. And we have all of these little outs, these little ways out, all of these little quits, if you will, that will come into play when we don't have our protocol in place. So I do have the pick a protocol packet there in the outline. So again, if you're watching this live, this outline will be at Donna Reach. And if you're subscribed to DonnaReach.com, you'll get it via email, the whole enchilada, right? Food talk on a weight loss podcast. So you will get the outline, any graphics, any um, handouts or packets, um, charts, anything like that, and the outline and the video and the audio. So subscribe to DonnaReach.com for all of that. So you will get that in this email. You'll get the links to uh, the Pick a Protocol packet series, which was Think, Feel, Eat 16, Think, Feel, Eat 17, and Think, Feel, Eat 18. So 16, 17, and 18. So the, the difference between somebody who is successful with weight loss and weight management, and, and my husband and I have really, really seen this come into play as we, you know, you know we've lost a lot of weight and we still each have 15 to 20 pounds we'd like to lose. And we have spent literally the last several months doing nothing but maintaining our 220 pound loss together um, because that's how much work it takes to maintain that loss. But the bottom line is that people who are successful at weight loss and then, you know, consequently weight management, they're not perfect. They're just on way more than they're off. It's just a way of life for them. And so in the, in the terminology with 80-20, which I don't have that number here, I was going to put my uh, list of episodes beside me and I forgot to, but we do have one called the 80-20 an episode called 8020. It is at uh, donors.com forward slash perfect storm. Um, and this it is called the 8020 approach. And 8020 really does work. The problem is that we often do not have any way to measure 8020. What is 80% healthy or real or, or um, you know, weight management giving? And what is 20% not real treats, whatever? But it's when we pick a protocol, we determine our foods, that we will have the most success. So it's also obvious when you have your protocol, I'm going off when I do this, I'm on when I do this, right? It's, it's so, 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 so clear. And I feel like that is one of the biggest advantages. And I've said this before on the broadcast, but I feel like that's one of the biggest advantages to people who are in like one of the 12 step type of eating programs. Uh, food Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Bright Line Eating, where they have this narrow, narrow, narrow food list. This is all they're allotted. And it's either, as they put it, NMF or MF. It's either not my food or it's my food. So we can do the same thing by creating our protocol, deciding ahead of time when we're going to eat those things, when the 20% that we're not going to eat those things, and literally never eating off of that except for the 20% that we decided. So also with this, another review from last week is to work on your thoughts ahead of time, all right? Um, the thought that we have just seconds before 
the self-sabotaging behavior. Self-sabotaging last week was defined as obstacles that we unknowingly or knowingly put in the way of our goals, okay? So that with that um, definition, it could be unknowingly, but a lot of times it's knowingly, right? A lot of times we know we're doing it. So that thought that we could capture right before we do that uh, obstacle behavior, I'm gonna drop off the word self-sabotage for the rest of the time, that obstacle behavior, that thought that we grab a hold of, we start to recognize it, we start to see it coming, we start to feel it happening, and then all of a sudden we can redirect. So the thoughts that often do that are things like, this won't matter, a bite won't hurt, I'll start tomorrow, I'll start Monday, I'm not losing now anyway, it doesn't matter, you can lose weight eating anything, it's true, research, there's a, there are a lot of studies that show this, so don't let anybody tell you that's only one way to lose weight, there are hundreds of ways, we all know 50 different people who have lost weight 50 different ways, we probably only know out of 100, maybe we know 100 people who have lost weight 100 different ways, probably only know five who have lost it and kept it off. Have you ever noticed that? The, the research on that is staggering, the, the tiny minuscule percentage of people who keep it off. And that's why I, I know what they're talking about. The last six months have been brutal. It has been hard for us to maintain. We have, um, I'm always within three to five pounds, sometimes, uh, sometimes a little bit better, but never worse for any period of time, unless it's like right after vacation or something, but then it's always, I always take it right back off. Ray's always within five to 10 pounds, but it's, it's hard. It's not easy. And we continue to work at it and work at it. But this thought, it doesn't matter what I eat, you can lose weight eating anything. There's some truth to that. And that's what makes that thought such a compelling grab it kind of um, comes up right before I'm about to create an obstacle to my goal. And we have to counter that with yes, but can you stop just eating anything, right? It's usually, it's not a single ice cream cone or a single piece of birthday cake or a single package of my beloved peanut M&Ms that will stop us from losing weight or maintaining our weight. It's what those foods do to us and that they cause us to not be able to stay on our protocol. They cause such intense cravings. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. All right, so you, we need to get a thought or two ready for this. We need to be prepared for these thoughts to come up, right? And so we can, we can kind of evaluate and see what do I think right before these behaviors happen? What do I think that causes me to have this feeling of defeat, this feeling of demoralized, this feeling of, um, of no control? What is the thought right before that feeling? And then, of course, right before the action. And then get something ready for it. Have a counter thought to that. Every bite does matter. That's one that I use all the time. Every bite does matter. If it is above whatever I'm counting, because sometimes I'm doing macros, sometimes I do um, like a lower carb reset after vacation. Um, sometimes I just do like all real foods. I just alternate different protocols. That's why I have the pick a protocol packet, because it helped me really see I do better when I just alternate. I do a lot better when I have change it up a little bit. So 
I, right before I'm about to take a bite that's going to be off. Either it's gonna take me over for the day, it wasn't written on my list for that day, it's gonna take me over calories, it's gonna take me over carbs, it's gonna take me under protein, whatever it is I'm counting, that's when I need this thought, every bite does matter. Um, another really powerful thought is I can choose to do something different tomorrow, today is already planned. Isn't that powerful? Because it's kind of like when you first started intermittent fasting, or I should say when I first started intermittent fasting, I was like, I can wait, because in a few hours I can have whatever I want, okay? It's the same concept, okay? I can, I can put this off today, I'll put it on my list tomorrow, okay? What am I doing? I'm pushing away from that childish toddler kind of brain and response in the moment, can't stop myself kind of thing, and instead I am delegating it to my higher brain, and I'm delegating it to my planning, thinking, got my back kind of part of my brain. And tomorrow I can always just put that on, right? We always, we always have tomorrow when we're making our plan for the day. All right, and then that also goes into the third thing, which was make decisions ahead of time. And I have the links here. When we make decisions ahead of time, we don't have to use as much willpower. So guess what? Our willpower will be saved for when we really, really need it because our plan will already be made ahead of time. That's another thing that's magnificent about intermittent fasting because we don't get hungry, so we don't use willpower all those 16, 18, 19 hours of fasting. So we don't need to worry about our willpower during that time. It's so cool because it's just hunger's not there. There's no willpower. I'm not white knuckling anything. My body's adapted to it. It's used to it, so it's not hard. So I'm not utilizing any of those 119 food thoughts. It's really interesting because I just heard another podcaster say it's that some research shows 200 food thoughts every day. The research that I cited said 119. So 100 to 200 food thoughts every day. We're just going to contain them into our eating window. So cool. All right. Then also... This allows, this adult brain prefrontal cortex allows us to plan the day ahead of time. And again, with that thought, there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. All right, so now let's get into the practical tips because that's really what I want to spend the bulk of today uh, talking about. I'm already using a lot of time. I talk about time a lot, don't I? <laughs> it's just crazy with me how much I love time. So anyway, um, but I do have practical tips that I want to share. They, the funny thing about practical tips is that they funnel into one of the brain problems that we need to solve. They funnel into one of the willpower problems we need to solve. They funnel into one of the neurotransmitters that we need to solve. They funnel into one of the habits that we need to solve. Sleep, the, the dopamine spikes, the uh, cortisol that's high, it's making us overeat. Practical solutions should provide solutions to abstract problems, right? We can say, well, my cortisol is so high that I'm so stressed and I'm overeating. Okay, what can we do to fix that? We need a practical solution to the high cortisol, which leads to the overeating. I don't get enough sleep. Research is like crazy about sleep and the effects it has on impulsive behaviors, lack of impulse control, lack of food control. The research about gambling and sleep is, whoa, it's so compelling. 
And of course we know overeating is just like gambling habit in many, many ways uses the same brain processes. So then all of a sudden we have a solution that's practical that's going to solve this abstract. None of the problems that lead us to overeat that you'll see in the perfect storm of the three pillars at the website, gonneries.com forward slash perfect storm, none of those are unsolvable. Isn't that amazing? We can solve those. When you see somebody who has lost all of their weight and they've kept it off, say five, 10 years, they have solved for all of those things, even if they didn't realize they did. They've done enough good habits, enough positive changes, enough things to counteract the high dopamine spikes, the high cortisol, the, the lack of willpower, the lack of impulse control. They've done enough things to, to solve those problems, sometimes without even knowing it. But you listen to Think, Feel, Eat, so you know it, right? <laughs> okay, so here we go. Practical tip number one, work on stress management ahead of time and with tools that are unrelated to food. So self-care, and I keep saying I'm gonna do this episode about self-care and I haven't done it yet. I should probably do that very soon. Self-care is the truest, most beautiful, most helpful, most solution-oriented self-care is when it's planned ahead of time. We think of self-care as being something that we do in response to negative stress, in response to stress, in response to negative situations, in response to fatigue, in response to overwhelm, in response to family problems, in response to work, work issues. Come to find out that the best self-care habits and um, solutions and tricks and methods are really those that we plan ahead that we put into place ahead of time, that we don't wait to try to solve later on when we are just like, oh, I just had to go get a pedicure. I just couldn't take another minute of my day. Or, you know, the kids were just fussing all day. They wouldn't do their school. They're working, maybe they're working online from home, you know, at home. And so I just had to go get a massage. I just couldn't take it anymore. Once my husband walked in the door, I just love to get a massage, okay? Those are not the best ways to reduce stress. They feel like it in the moment, but it's temporary. Whereas if you plan your stress relievers ahead of time, you have, and this, the research on this is really compelling too, you have that to look forward to, right? You know, there's always this debate. Do we tell the kids we're doing this thing or do we surprise them? You ever thought about that as a parent? We always do that with our kids. Should we tell them or should we surprise them? I want to surprise them. No, no, no. Let's tell them so that they can enjoy it ahead of time. Same idea with self-care. Research is there for that too. That we can get as much enjoyment out of something before it happens when we're planning it as we can when it actually happens. It's so, so cool. And in that regard, we could get more enjoyment out of self-care if we planned it. But that's not the only reason that self-care ahead of time is better. It's also better ahead of time because we are putting our own care into our schedule ahead of time. We're putting our own, um, you know, whether we're getting a pedicure, whether we're taking a walk, whether we're reading a book, whatever it is, we're putting that in ahead of time. And so we can know throughout this day what that's going to look like. I did uh, a, a video and a packet during the beginning of the pandemic 
when people were all home all the time, nothing was ever open and people were home with kids. And the packet has adult versions, adult sheets and children's sheets, and they're called delights of the day. And ever since I learned about this from my coach, which was before COVID, I learned about this from my coach. I started putting in my delights of the day. I would just go right ahead. I used to, uh, I get my nails done and I used to like wait until they got so long that they were almost like not going to do them for me. It's just like, you're supposed to come in sooner than us. You know, I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. I would wait until they were just out of control or I would wait until I had a really stressful day and then I would call and see if they had any walk-in appointments available, right? It's, I think we do that, that kind of thing in part because we don't feel like we should take the time for ourselves and we don't feel like we should, you know, for, for me, I never felt like I should leave work, you know, because I have family and I work and, and I, that's what I need to spend all my time on. But these delights of the day actually would change a lot of people's outlook during this pandemic. And it's when you give yourself practical fun and purposeful things to look forward to that do not involve food or alcohol. Just the simple pleasures, right? And that's another topic for another day. But the bottom line is when we have all enjoyable activities that are super high on the dopamine scale. So we, everything we do that we enjoy is so high on the dopamine scale. So it is food, it is alcohol, it is tobacco, it is drugs, it is sex, it is porn, it is gambling, it is shopping, you know, all of these like super high dopamine spikes from all of those behaviors. Then something like reading a book to your granddaughter you get this teeny weeny dopamine spike. And then you never ever feel satisfied from the simple things, from a walk, from a novel, from a bath. You know, it always has to be these higher dopamine spikes. And it's the same thing, of course, with food, right? That when we, when we have hyper palatable foods all the time, we always need those hyper palatable foods in order to be happy. You know, we've, we've all heard that with pornography that, you know, you get more and then you get more and then you get more. And the next thing you know, you know, maybe somebody's going to a strip club and they can't just watch porn on the computer or whatever. It's the same idea where our dopamine uh, spikes are so high and we're relying on our stress management to be from super high dopamine spiking activities instead of just from everyday pleasures. So anyway, plan purposeful things, breathing techniques, walks, novels, talking books, podcasts, favorite shows without food, yoga, journaling, prayer, self-coaching, talking with a friend, games, all planned ahead. I have right down into my schedule, read my new self-help book, right? You know, maybe I know that, um, you know, I'm going to be hungry and wanting something at five, but I don't eat until seven. So maybe I'll stop at five and do that. Put that on my schedule for the day. Create your day purposely to reduce stress. Okay. Now we all work, you know, a lot of hours. Everybody's busy with family and work and responsibilities, right? So it feels like somebody telling you to create your day purposely to reduce stress is like, yeah, that's easy for you to say. No, it's not easy for me to say at all. <laughs> we just we just took on way, uh, way more students than we ever have because of COVID. And so this is the busiest school year that I will have ever had. 
and outside of when I homeschooled my own kids and taught. And um, I'm still planning my days every day, looking at it. Okay, this coaching client, this class prep, this blogging article, this um, outline for my broadcast, read, take a walk, go work out. All right, watch my show at night. I still, I still have things built in that I can look forward to. So creating this day ahead of time is so reducing cortisol, right? Because when cortisol rises, and uh, this is on Weight Loss Lifestyle episode 31, about cortisol and sleep. And when cortisol rises, it, and it rises from stress. When it rises, it causes cravings and potential weight loss uh, and, dis and disruption, potential disruption of um, fat storage, weight loss disruption and fat storage. So um, yeah, all right. So again, practical, we're gonna combat some of those other things in the perfect storm in our, um, uh, our hindering or obstructing our goals. All right, number two is use a tip from sitting with urges. Okay, this is think, feel, eat, number nine. And I just listed four here um, because there are 10 different techniques there in weight loss in think, feel, eat, number 10, number nine. Think, feel, eat, number nine. Uh, but these are a few of my favorites. One is counting backwards from 90. Okay, just get a hold of yourself, stop. If you count backwards from 20, it's not so hard. Even 50 is not so hard. 90 seems to take more focus, more concentration. Count backwards. Um, setting a timer for 10 minutes. Telling yourself that you can have it if you still want it in 10 minutes. This is a very valuable tool because that might be just the right amount of time to quiet the toddler brain and to hear that prefrontal cortex speaking for you. You know, this was your goal. This was what you wrote down this morning. This is what you said you wanted. 10 minutes might be just the perfect time for that. Journaling instead of eating and writing it on tomorrow's plan right at that moment. Remember the thought that I just gave you a few moments ago um, about I can choose to do something tomorrow. Today's already planned. Um, that um, or else there's always tomorrow when you want a food that's not on your protocol or on your list for today. That um, idea to write it down. Sometimes it's like, man, I just want an ice cream cone dipped in chocolate. And I, as you'll see here just a little bit, I don't have a lot of that stuff in the house purposely. So I'd have to go get it. That's another good technique I'm gonna talk about in just a sec. But I just like, okay, tomorrow, ice cream cone dipped in chocolate. Just write it on there, put it away. That physical act of writing, the, the thought that it's only tomorrow. I am a grown adult, I can live with this. And then tomorrow morning when you make your plan, you may decide to take it off. You may decide to leave it on, but there's always tomorrow. All right, so number three is creating barriers to hyperpalatable foods. I know, I say hyperpalatable a lot. And I say sick to death, <laughs> I say it so much I can't say it anymore. And I say six seductive craving combinations a lot. I also say Dr. Stephen DNA a lot, right? Okay, so um, there is a Motivating Monday. So if you're signed up for DonnaRish.com, you'll get these every Monday. Um, so it's from August 10th 
and there's a link to it in the outline here. And it was called Why Just Creating Food Barriers Isn't Enough or Doesn't Work on Its Own or something like that. Okay. I'm all about food barriers. And I explained that in that article. I'm all about food barriers. But we can't just create barriers, right? Because then what do we do on a dinner out? What we do on a birthday party? What do we do on a lunch with friends? What do we do in these scenarios? We have to create barriers and also work on our think, feel, eat cycle, right? So, um, but one barrier that you can do is at home not to have hyper palatable foods, okay? And I gave the six, um, the six, save six craving uh, combinations uh, in that August 10th uh, Motivating Monday. But we all know ourselves, right? Like, do you know, without even me telling you what those six combinations are for the 50th time in the last two years, do you know what your hyperpalatable foods are, right? We probably already know. Like, I'm like, cream-filled donut in the morning, preferably, which is why I never get them, no matter what, because I don't eat in the mornings. Cream-filled donut from a certain place, cupcakes, certain types, certain frosting, the whole nine yards, milk chocolate. I have about four or five candies that I like. I don't like a lot. I just like a few homemade cookies. You know, we know each person knows for somebody else it might be nacho, you know, nachos at Moe's, or it might be, um, you know, uh, like a loaded burger or something like that. Right. But it has these craving combinations that keep us from being able to stay on our protocol because they're too tempting to us. They're overly seductive to us. So uh, ridding your house of hyper palatable foods. So people are always like, well, what do I do about kids? What do I do about grandkids? So if kids need a snack, um, you can choose other things that you don't like or um, that are less enticing, right? So one of the things I like to do for my grandkids is have like individual bags of Cheetos, Cheetos, Cheez-Its, um, animal crackers, Teddy Grahams, um, goldfish crackers, because they're not so hyper palatable. I'm not just going to sit there and open up four bags of goldfish, of these little bags of goldfish crackers and not be able to stop. You know, Doritos maybe, a uh, certain kind of Doritos or, um, you know, Oreos, but not animal crackers, right? So I'm taking the food choice down to a less hyper palatable, to a less palatable, to a less seductive type of food. And um, this is really better for kids anyway, right? I mean, they don't, they don't need all that either because then they get their dopamine spikes and they want that all the time too. Uh, when you do decide to have something seductive, if you have created the barriers in your home, guess what? You're going to have to drive someplace to get them, right? They're not going to be just in your cupboard or in your freezer or whatever. You're going to have to drive to get it. And in that drive, you may decide, no, I'm not going to get it after all. I'm just going to, you know, grab a bottled water and come home or grab a package of peanuts and come home or whatever's on your protocol. Um, or you may decide, yes, I'm driving over here. I'm spending this 10 minutes thinking about it. I'm definitely getting this. This is what I'm going to do. But you've created a barrier, again, that works in conjunction with the dopamine spikes, the hyperpalatability, the um, 
serotonin that we get from such delicious food, the feel-good chemicals that we get from associating those foods with something else that's real positive. So we have the opportunity to create a barrier. Also buying individual servings of snack type foods, right? Because the chances are we're not, we're gonna see ourselves opening three or four packages of Cheez-Its. It's, we're going to be stopped in our tracks a little bit more. All right, I have so many more tips for you. I don't know why I thought I could do all these tips in a half an hour. So guess what? <laughs> this is self-sabotage part three, the practical part two of three, the practical tips. And we will finish these next week because I added to them with my pen after I printed off my outline. So um, we really have um, we really have a lot to cover. So let me just briefly review. Don't forget to watch episode 25 where we have like the framework, the, the foundation for self-sabotage, right? That we need to have a firm protocol, that we need to work on our thoughts ahead of time, that we need to have a thought that we're ready for, recognize the thoughts that we have and be ready for those thoughts with another thought or other thoughts. And then we need to make decisions ahead of time. Okay, and I have all the links there. Will, uh, Weight Loss Lifestyle 1661 is my extensive two-part teaching on willpower. Really recommend that you listen to that. It answers all the questions as to why we are successful in this area, but we aren't with food. It's just so compelling. All right, then um, I also have the free journal sheet available for you to make your daily food decision. Three minutes, write it down, go on. It's not a big long process. You could do it as stoplight on your way to work. Don't recommend it, we're hands-free in Indiana right now, but you could, right? You could do it on your phone, um, you know, on the, uh, while you're riding on the bus or while you are pottying in the morning. Just uh, sometimes I'll just be pottying in the morning and I'll be answering people on my phone, da 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 taking care of some, I have a 15 minute business thing in the morning that I do to try to answer people and take care of things. And I'll just go right into my notes and I'll just write in the things I'm gonna eat, what time I'm gonna eat it, done, three minutes. It's just that fast. Um, then the practical tips, work on stress management ahead of time, using tools that are unrelated to food, plan your delights of the day. To lower your cortisol, getting sleep, super, super important. Uh, make a plan to sit with urges. Make a plan so that you are ready, okay? Today, when I have food urges, I'm going to do this. Count backwards for 90 seconds. I'm gonna write it down on tomorrow's plan. I'm going to count backwards for 90. I'm gonna set my timer for 10 minutes. Have a plan, right? Remember, every time you plan something, you're using the adult part of your brain. Every time you do something on whim, you're using your toddler part of your brain. Next, create barriers to hyperpalatable foods. Next week, I'm gonna talk a lot more about that and about how uh, low palatability doesn't mean you hate it, okay? So join me for episode number 27 for that next week. Um, so create barriers, don't have it in your house. Uh, if you do need snack foods and stuff, reduce the hyperpalatability. I can remember when we still had our last son who's 22 now, when he was still at home, he loved sugared cereal and I would purposely buy the sugar cereal that I hated. I would never, you know, I'd buy the kind with marshmallows in it and I mean, now I, I wish I hadn't bought sugar cereal for my kids at all, but when he's still at home, I would buy him the kinds of sugar cereal that I didn't like because I knew what sugar cereal did to me, right? We know these things so we can plan ahead, 
create barriers. And um, the by individual snacks rather than you know big bulky things. Uh, at the very very least, make, pour out a serving and plan it. If it's on your plan and it fits for the day, that's great. But don't eat out of a bag. Don't eat out of a container. Right. So all of these anti-self-sabotage tips are going to solve many of the problems that we have with our toddler brain taking over, with our dopamine spikes controlling us, with the craving seeming out of control. These things are gonna help that so that when we are faced with that moment, that we have that thought to go off plan, we will have mechanisms and protocols in place uh, to help with those. So join me next week for episode number 27 and I will finish these um, obstacle, um, obstacle, blah, obstacle, obstacles to our weight loss, unknowing or knowing obstacles to our weight loss goals. You can see why people call it self-sabotage, right? It might be easier, but instead we just need to say, we're deciding, we're deciding. And then let's get all of those problems solved that feel so unsolvable with the tips and tricks that I teach you. Thank you for joining me. I will see you next week on Think, Feel, Eat.